Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Can you hear me? It just Are you still there? I am. Yeah. Did I turn my mic off? No. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just started snowing out. I walked my dogs this morning. I did an interview this morning. So you're my second interview today. So I'm good. That was like yesterday for me. I'm just so blessed to live in Montana. That's all I know. <laughs> you're feeling kind of blessed to just be alive. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got to keep a good attitude. So, should I just introduce you and we'll go from there? My show is very candid. (laughs) So, um, all right. Well, my listeners will tell you that's not true. My listeners will say, they're always telling me, Jackie, don't be so stuck to your script. But we're not sticking to my script today, so we can be candid. Cool. Right? Okay. I love it. Uh, Welcome to the Green Organic Garden Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. So I am just incredibly on spring break today because this is our regularly scheduled spring break. So I've been trying to line up guests so I can, because I don't have any episodes in the bank. So listeners, if you want to be a guest and you hear this, you know I'm looking for guests. But in the meantime, I... Um, Marla Clues from the Green Gab podcast reached out to me. So not only is she here to share with us, I got to be on her show. So, so excited, so fun, and here to tell us all sorts of great stuff. And she's going to talk about her um, boxes, grow boxes that they planted in is Marla Clues. So welcome to the show, Marla. Hey, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So we did an interview, and I probably should have like looked that up before we started talking a while ago. But do you want to tell listeners if because I've gotten a lot of new listeners since I was on the um, Melissa Norris show, and then I had Jeff. Diff- like I just had a big December, and so my numbers Sweet. have really taken off since then. So there's lots of new listeners. So if they haven't heard your interview, and I will probably um, play. Like I'm always posting replays because I figure it's easier to listen as a teacher. We're always telling the kids reread. So I think there's tons of this stuff. My guests share so many valuable golden seeds that um, it's good to hear them over again. Then maybe you'll hear something new. So I'll be quiet and tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. So first of all, I found when I was on your show 
And it was oh, December 14th, 27, or I posted it on December 14th, 2017. So it might've been right before that. So there you go. At least it'll give us a timeline. And you have also been on my show several times, which I really appreciate. So I am the host of the Green Gab podcast and I'm the Green Home Coach and my business is the Green Home Coach. It is all about helping you, helping me to make different decisions, to make better, easy, simple decisions that will help improve the health and the safety and the comfort of your home. And right now (laughs) we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're all in our homes a lot more than we've ever been before. So, you know, what better time to do things a little better, just take advantage of it. And so gardening is not my best asset. I am not a wonderful gardener, but it is part of my home. And as such, as you mentioned, <laughs> I got into grow boxes a few years ago and um, we found them. Actually, Scott just, my husband, Scott just went out to the shed to make sure we had accounted for all of them because we haven't planted them yet. So he is off in search of some additional soil and we'll see how that all goes. So, yeah. Well, do you want to tell us, like, if listeners don't know, what is, like, how big is it? Like, is it two feet by two feet or four feet by six so, feet? Like, how big are the bucks? And, like, what are they made out of? Are they made out of wood? So the grow boxes that I use, there's lots of different kinds. This is actually a company that specializes in these. And I think they're probably 18 or 20 inches wide and about three, three and a half feet long. And probably about... 16, 18 inches tall, and they have a reservoir in the bottom. And this is what really helps me because I'm so bad at remembering to water enough. We talked about that before, Jackie, remembering to water. So with this reservoir in the bottom, the roots, there's this special system in the bottom, and the roots of the plants go down so that they draw the water up. And there's a special little thing in the bottom of this grow box that I buy that soaks the water up into the soil and then you use a covering over the top of the soil to keep the water in and the weeds out. They're pretty cool and I've actually been able to grow stuff with them. I've had good tomatoes and Japanese eggplants. Haven't done so well with peppers. Um, What else have I grown? Tomatoes. I've had some zucchinis, not as much. My Japanese eggplants were my best one besides the tomatoes. And Marla, let's tell listeners, you're in Oklahoma? Am I remembering? I am. Like what zone, garden zone do you think? I think that's, and I always get energy zones and garden zones mixed up because they're not the same. Whoever thought of that, you should should have uh, been thinking harder because I have to look it up all the time. We are plant hardiness. Okay, I can't read with these glasses. So give me a second to read. I think it's seven. Yes, we are seven. So you are, what are you, three? We're 4B. Four, okay. So yeah, it was really confusing because the number for energy efficiency is when we're doing, um, 
energy efficient windows and homes and stuff like that. It's a different number. So I'm always having to check it to see which one's which. Um, but yes, we're, so we're considerably warmer than you. We have a considerably lower or longer growing season. And I am hoping we're done with our frost for the year. So we had a, a light frost a few days ago and it's late March right now. So it's not unusual for us to have a pretty long growing season here. I'm going to be curious to see if I can, you know, if I can take advantage of that or not. We're, we're going to find out. We're going to do some experimenting this year because my husband has some time to really help out with some of the gardening stuff. And so, so we're going to try some things. We're going to see what we can do. <laughs> But these grow boxes. Awesome. Well, maybe we can do another interview in the fall and check back. Yeah, see, see, how, see how I did, right? <laughs> but so when you grew in them before, you got good eggplants and good tomatoes. I did. I did. And uh, mediocre peppers. Some of my peppers, I had two or three different kinds of peppers. We love bell peppers, sweet, sweet bell peppers. And had two or three different kinds, and one of them did much better than the other. And I can't remember. That was when I still lived in St. Louis. We have not done them correctly since I moved to Oklahoma City. So this summer is going to really be, and spring is really going to be our first real test. So we're excited. We're excited. And we really want to have, there's nothing better than having that fresh tomato off the vine that you just picked. It, it just tastes so delicious. I can't wait. You were telling me about all these things you did with fresh produce yesterday, and I was like, I was so hungry. I inspired myself enough to make carrot soup. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> I like, um, what did I put in it? So I had all these baby carrots that the cook gave me from the school that they couldn't. I'm like, I went in there on a Friday to clean out some stuff. And she's like, here, why don't you take these home? They're still good. So I finally cooked them last night with just like a little bit of garlic. And Yum. what did I put in there? Some curry paste and peanut butter and just some olive oil. And oh, it just blended together. And I had fresh cilantro and then like a dollop of fresh. Yogurt. Oh, I had coconut milk. That was it. Oh, yeah. Something. And it just, oh, my God, it was so good. That sounds delicious. Anyway. I love, I, whenever there's leftover vegetables on the table, my family all, and, and this is the family from which I was birthed, as well as the family that I did birth, they all just hand me whatever leftover vegetables are on the table. So I've really kind of acquired the, the nickname rabbit around my family because I love, love, love my vegetables. So I'm excited to be getting going again, growing some this year. I'm the same way. And you know what else I put in it? I had kale in my fridge that was a little old and it just like, and I had a red pepper and I just put it all like I cooked it and then I put it in the food processor and pureed it. And then I kept the broth. And then today I could even reheat it with the broth and, and you oh just, my goodness. so good. Uh, anyway, gave me an idea because I've got some very old kale that I found in the bottom of the bin and I'm wondering if I could cook it with some onion and make a little soup out of it. I think you could. <gasps> oh, thanks. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> we really aren't a cooking show, folks. Oh, well, what do we have homes for if we're not going to cook in them and share our recipes? I'm always good on sharing recipes on my show. Oh, yeah. I call myself the organic eater. <laughs> I'm with you there. 
Well, and I, I know I, we're both like part rabbit. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm sure I was a rabbit in a different lifetime. Like I just crave lettuce and things all the time. So, uh, but we were going to talk about cleaning your house today because a lot of us are home cleaning and some cleaning tips, right? Absolutely. Oh, okay. And you know, I had to laugh. I have to tell you this funny. So you know how everybody's been racing to buy up lots and lots of toilet paper. And the big joke is, you know, why are we hoarding toilet paper? So someone I know who shall remain unnamed (laughs) said, well, maybe everybody's buying so much toilet paper because they have to eat their own cooking now. (laughs) But I thought I kind of had to chuckle, obviously, but (laughs) you know, there's a lot of truth in this. We are in our homes way yeah, more we're not going to work and so a lot of those trips to the bathroom that we normally or that our that kids would be taking at school right are not and um what was the other thing i was thinking when you were well, we're cooking that? at home because or maybe you know carrying out so we can support our local businesses our local restaurants we are we've got neighbors that own a restaurant so we're, we're planning to go down there and get takeout um but we are yeah, we're at home a lot. And we were at home a lot before since we'd been dealing with medical situations. <laughs> so this is, we so just give keep us on some tips on. on being at home because even Mike and I, like we've been through periods where we've been apart a lot. And then we've been through periods where we've been together a lot. Like I was thinking ah. I could do a whole episode on lessons that we learned being when I first quit teaching in 2014, Mike took a job delivering the paper. And not only was like our whole schedule, cause we had to be there at midnight. We were in closed quarters of a small car for eight hours, almost every day. And let me tell you, Mike's patience was tested. <laughs> he did a good job. <laughs> that is that's close quarters. And so there's a word, one of the business coaches that I follow she said, you know, I'm going to choose to look at this time as cocooning, not as having to shelter in place. And I loved that cocooning. That just made me feel warm and safe and protected. And, and I, I that, really like that because I, I think, too. you know, it's good to, I think there's probably a lot of apprehension and people are having different challenges and we're not sure there's definitely no consistent leadership out there that we desperately need. And so I think it's leading to a lot of uncertainty, but I hope that, you know, we're going to come out on the positive side. So, but what are some priorities for cleaning and like, what are some cleaners that listeners can use? that maybe like are there things we can make from stuff we have at home? yeah so a couple of uh, in full transparency i do have an online green store called everyday green home where i have products that i personally have vetted i use a lot of them in my own home and if i don't use them i know somebody that has but i if they don't have a green certification label on them so, for instance, Green Guard is a certification label for indoor air quality that says a product does not have a lot of toxins in it. There's a certain level they have to meet in order to be certified. So these labels give us you know, a real quick way to know if something's safe or safer. I guess I should be careful because nothing's 100% safe probably. Um, but these these labels are also, there's a lot of people coming up with their own labels. So if you run into a label 
do a quick internet check and make sure it's a legitimate label and it's a certification by an independent third party, that's what makes it most important. So for instance, Energy Star is a label that almost all of us know. It's been around for decades and it is the most recognized label or symbol that something is energy efficient. And there's similar labels for water called WaterSense. There's similar ones for cleaning. There's one called Green Seal. There's um, Green Guard, which is the lower toxins. So when I'm looking for products that I want to represent and that I want to share to help people, that's the first thing I look for is do they have a label? If they don't have a label, then I have a process that I can go home that I learned from doing green home certification that takes me through the steps of what I can look at for a practice or a product to make sure that it would meet up to the level needed if if we were doing a green home certification. So I figured that's a pretty high bar to really reach for. And cleaning is a great place to start because it's something we all do in our homes and a lot, well, if we don't, we should. Um, <laughs> sorry, not trying to be the taskmaster. But it is really easy to accidentally bring a lot of stuff into your house that has a lot of chemicals we can't pronounce or chemicals that may add up. And one of the things that's really challenging is a lot of the chemicals that are tested, and they'll say they're safe, but they only look at like a one time that you're getting this certain level that's safe. Well, you think about it, for all the chemicals we use in our house to clean, we're being repeatedly exposed to it. Or if you're using some kind of scent in your home, a fragrance, you're constantly being exposed to it. So the levels that they're being tested on on this one-time occurrence aren't necessarily the way we're using it in our homes. So I like to be safer than sorrier. So I choose to take as many of these chemicals out of my home as I can. And I've gotten most of them out. Um, So I've been able to find safer, less toxic toilet cleaners and glass cleaner and all-purpose cleaner and laundry soap and personal care products. And there's really better alternatives out there for just about everything. And for me, less is more. So as I, as I use up stuff, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying what I buy. So where I might've had three or four cleaners in the past, I'm working to go to like two or three. So that I don't have to have so much stuff in my house. So for instance, this new cleaner I'm using, um, can I, can I say the name? Can I promote it? You absolutely can. Okay. So this is called Shabby Chick. And it is actually a woman-owned business here in the state of Oklahoma. Matter of fact, last year or the year before, I can't remember which, she won the Small Business Administration. I can't remember the exact. She won an award from them, a big award. So it was really, really cool. She's doing some really cool things, all natural products that she makes and manufactures. And um, she's available online. I actually... I can give you my link for it as well because I am one of her affiliates. And unfortunately, because of all the craziness going on with Amazon right now, we can't get a lot of the products up on Amazon right now. So right now that one's not working on Amazon because we're shipping essential products and from larger manufacturers. So if you want to go check out some of your stuff, you guys, I'll give, Jackie, I'll give you the link so you'll have it. But what I love about, 
Shabby Chicks cleaners is I have two cleaners. I have an all-purpose cleaner, which is a soap-based cleaner, so it cleans everything. I mean, I use this on my greasy stove, and it just cuts the grease pronto. And then she has a second cleaner that is a sh- for shiny surfaces, so like glass or stainless steel. And this one's an alcohol-based cleaner. And that's all I need is those two. It's awesome. Now, if I want a scrubby powder or something like that, I have some other options. Um, actually, one of the scrubby powders I like the best has been around for decades, and that's just... Um, Bon Ami, <laughs> which is, you know, I've been buying at a grocery store or, you know, whatever my local store is for years, but it's been a natural alternative for decades. Um, and sometimes if you look at the back of your cleaners, you'll see that they might be a lot better than you think, and others might be a little scarier than you think. So we have a ton of opportunity. There's a ton of good cleaners out there. If you want to see how yours rates, the Environmental Working Group has a list of cleaners that they rate. They're not all out there, but they give them like an A through F, you know, like a grade. You understand that, Jackie, being a teacher. <laughs> um, but that's a great way to see what cleaners you're using if, they're, if they really toe the line. And you're gonna, we're already seeing a lot more choices, even on the shelves in our regular grocery stores and our drug stores and our big box stores. And then you can buy all kinds of boutique cleaners as well. So you have a ton of options. And then to boot, you can make it yourself. I mean, for ages, we vinegar, baking soda, lemon juice, they're like our best friends in cleaning world. And a lot of times it's just as easy to use that. I use a, I keep a cleaning strength vinegar in my house. It's a stronger vinegar. And I'll use that for cleaning. We'll use it to kill weeds. It has all kinds of great purposes. Where do you get that at? I think I bought it at the big box store on the bottom shelf in the cleaning aisle. Mm-hmm. And it's- So what are some like key things that we want to make sure we are cleaning in our houses right now for somebody who's definitely at home cleaning domestic challenge right so you know first and foremost is get things as organized as you can just because if you can get things a little more organized it's easier to clean and you know do what you can i'm a huge advocate of don't beat yourself up do what you can celebrate the achievements and the accomplishments so if you only get a little bit done every day that's fine or maybe a little bit every week but once you get you know you can kind of move through your house and see where things need to be cleaned the basics are dust and i always dust with a microfiber cloth cuz it holds the dust And if you dampen it just a little bit, just a little spritz of water, that'll help it pick up dust better. The other trick, um, I just started carrying a new heat and cool filter for the vents or for the whole systems. And one of the tips that the lady I'm working with at this company told me, she said, when you're dusting or running the vacuum, turn the fan on on your central air conditioner and heating unit so just turn the blower fan on this is brilliant i had never done this before but when you're dusting or vacuuming your 
stirring all the dust particles up so they're floating around in the air, right? Well, if you turn the fan I'm going mm-hmm. So you turn the fan on and it's going to suck the air into the filter and grab all those particles out of the air. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. I thought that was brilliant and that has helped. We've started doing that. And she even recommends running it for a few minutes each night before you go to bed to help clear the air. Especially like right now cuz we're in the shoulder seasons where our heat or cool systems may not be running all the time. So like my house gets pretty warm by the end of the day. So it doesn't necessarily run again before we go to sleep. So running that fan, you don't have to run the heat or the cool, just turn your fan to on because most of us keep it on auto all the time. Turn it to on for a few minutes. That'll get that air sucked up into your filters and then turn it off, turn it back to auto. And away you go. But turning that on when we dust and vacuum has been a big help because that pulls the dust out of the air. Because what you don't want to do, like back when I used to use a feather duster, it just stirred up the dust. And then it would just float around the air until it settled down. So dusting is number one to me. Um, And then we dust mop our floors. And then every few weeks we vacuum our floors. And then we vacuum the carpets about every week. Keeping your you know, your vacuum cleaner, if you're using one, keeping it cleaned out is important because you want to make sure that you're not getting it too clogged up and then none of the dirt's getting up in there. If you have a lot of people in your house with long hair, you're going to have to clean your beater bar every now and then because the hair gets stuck. Um, Not a fun task, but necessary. So someday we'll figure out a way that all the hair doesn't get stuck. What's the beater bar? So most vacuums have on the bottom a bar well it's not really a bar it's like a dowel like a cylinder and it has a brush that spirals around it and that's how you get a lot more of the dirt out of the carpets and when you adjust the height on your vacuum cleaner that beater bar can get deeper or not deeper matter of fact they recommend turning the beater bar off if you have a real um, deep carpet like I have one rug that's probably a two inch to it. I don't forgot what that's called, but it's, it's like a big shag rug, but it's real, real long shags, like two inches. So that one we have to turn. Is it ply, dark. like two ply or something like no, that? No, it'll come to me when I'm trying not to think about it. Okay. Um, but it's, <laughs> if, if we ran the beater bar, when we run over that, when we vacuum that rug, it's so long, it would get stuck in the beater bar. So, but for most carpets, that's what helps to get it clean is that beater bar now you had a there are vacuums out there that i'm sure are beater barless ours is not um, but there's some there's some great options for vacuums out there and i wish i had a central vacuum because that would be really nice because all the dirt could go out of the house like a lot of times the dirt receptacle is in the garage but i'm not going to add one right now (laughs) i've got enough on my plate So, so, all right. So we talked about dust. We talked about vacuuming. Those are your two basics to get the dirt out. And then you're wiping down your appliances, wiping down your bedroom, your bathrooms, your bedrooms. Well, you want to dust in your bedrooms. And the other one, oh, I forgot this. When you're dusting, dust the ceiling fans. The tops of the blades will attract dust. Even when you're running the ceiling fans, which just seems like, 
it shouldn't happen that way, but it does. But make sure to dust the ceiling fans, especially if you haven't been using them through the winter. Although I run mine backwards in the winter. But that's a good, another one to dust. And dust the light bulbs. Um, just, you know, the things where you haven't dusted in a while, this is a great way to do a little more spring cleaning. Just jump in there. And the craziest thing is I'm not the best cleaner in the world, but I've learned a lot. Like, like you've learned a lot about gardening. I've learned a lot about cleaning. What about like cleaning out like the refrigerator uh, or the microwave or got any tips for the oven? No, uh, oven is my bane. I have a self-cleaning oven, so that helps. Although I don't like to use that feature very often because it gets so hot. It uses the heat to basically bake off the inside of the stuff. I use my um, shabby chick glass cleaner on the inside of my glass for my oven. And I also use it in my microwave and and the outside. I have stainless steel appliances and that stuff just makes them squeaky, shiny, clean. So I love it. Um, my stove, I do a two-step process because for some reason our stove just is like a, if we fry anything or pan fry or saute, it just seems to attract all the stuff onto the base of the stove burners. And I've got the really heavy um, cast iron grates instead of the individual cast iron burner grates. So you have to like lift off this big heavy thing. And, but I use the, the all purpose cleaner first and get all the grease off. And then I spray it with the glass and stainless cleaner and get it really shiny. And that works really, really well. And it's quick because stuff works really fast. Um, wipe down the front of your dishwasher with like a stainless cleaner or a glass cleaner. It's the same for your kitchen or your kitchen, your refrigerator and your oven, your microwave. All those things, just it's a, a quick wipe with um, either a stainless cleaner or a glass and a stainless cleaner. I would not recommend using just glass cleaner on it unless it states that it's safe for stainless steel because stainless can stain. Good to know. Almost sound like I know what I'm talking about and I've learned it all through experience. <laughs> well, that's the best teacher. I know, right? And then, you know, I, I love it when once a year we get to open the windows up and wipe them down and clean out the tracks and living in Oklahoma where the wind comes sweeping down the plains, a lot of that dust ends up in our windowsill tracks. So once a year we open those up and take the screens off. And fortunately our house is just a one-story house so we can do the windows ourselves pretty quickly. Um, so that's nice because... It's nice to be able to see out. My first year we lived here, there was still a lot of construction around us and we just gave up because it was impossible to keep anything clean on the outside. So, um, what else? Your bathrooms. Um, you'll want to you know, clean your toilet with a separate rag. You don't want to use something on the toilet and then use it on other parts of your bathroom or other parts of your house. So either save it for last or do it with a separate rag. I do not use paper towels to clean anything in my house. I use tea towels, which are, um, and they're also called flower sack towels, but it's almost like a linen feeling cloth or it's actually cotton, but it's a very, it's a much finer weave. So it doesn't streak like, um, like a microfiber cloth streaks if you use it on mirrors or glass. So I use a tea towel when I'm cleaning glass and mirrors. 
but for everything else I use my microfiber towels or I have rag towels that I use to clean. And then we throw them all in the washing machine for the floors, <coughs> excuse me, for the floors we have um, washable pads that we can use to both dust mop and wet mop. And again, we just throw everything in the washing machine when we're done and run a quick load and it's all ready to go for the next time. Fancy. Well, what else should we talk about? Oh my goodness. You can talk about a lot of things. I think right now with people being in their homes so much, I think we're going to notice a lot of things about our house. <laughs> you know, I'm already seeing that. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I've had a long, long list of honeydews for us anyway. And now that we're home even more, it's like, okay, I want to get to that. So I've heard from a lot of people that they're cleaning out closets and they're decluttering and you know, taking some time to get organized. So it's almost like spring cleaning and cocooning coincided with each other. But this is a great time to think about what is your... It's like making your cocoon all clean. Yes. To get into totally. Like, there's nothing better than washing your sheets. Oh, my God. Isn't that the truth? I don't have a washing machine at my house. Or I do, but I the, we don't have the water. So it's like I have to go to the laundromat. Well, but then you have the benefit of getting it all done almost at the same time because you can use multiple machines. There is definitely a lot to be yeah, said for that. That's pretty nice. I, I'm very... <laughs> one of the good things about being an empty nester is that I don't have to do all the kids' laundry anymore. So our laundry loads went way down. So, hey, you got to find a silver lining in everything, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I think too, Jackie, that you you know when you're in your home more, you you tend to think more about how well your home performs, not just how well it, how nice it looks. And I think when and I'm just making a supposition here. This is just me. There's nothing to back this up. But I think when we're in and out of our houses a lot, we tend to focus more on how it looks and not be so concerned with how well it actually functions. But now that we're, and, and I found this since my husband and I have been home a lot more over the last couple of years because of his, the medical issues we've been working through. There was a lot of things about my house that I started going, hmm, this could be better or the layout of the kitchen could be different and we, you know, we've been able to make some changes to adapt to that, but I've started a list. It's my wish list for either things I want to change or things I want when we move to another home at some point in the future, because you start, the more you're using your home, the more you start realizing what works well and what things you'd like to work better. So keeping that list is a way for us all to have our list of what things we need to address. And this is a great time to inspect. You know, doing your own home maintenance means you have to inspect and know what it is. And I have a dear friend who teaches home maintenance for women so that, you know, we're empowered and not that we have to do it all ourselves, but we know what needs to be done and we know how to talk to contractors and I love it. She's been a great, a great source of information for me. Um, but one of the things she talks about is, you know, every season you should go inspect your home, both inside and outside. So you know what looks right and what doesn't. 
So that's pretty good advice. <laughs> so you're inside your home a lot right now, or you're around your home a lot. If you haven't done your inspection for the spring, this is a great time to do it. You know, check. Um, I have a couple of podcasts on home maintenance, actually, that I've done with her. I'd be happy to give you links to, but, but this is the time. Go inspect your home, make a list of what kind of things need to be addressed. And when we're able to get out and about more, then we can either go get the materials that we need to fix things ourselves, or we can contact the contractors that we need to come in and help. Or maybe there's something we want to do a weekend warrior project on and really fix something up and we can plan for that. And it's also a good time to make sure everything in our house is going to need to, you know, the appliances and things of that nature will need to be repaired and maintained over their lifetime. And eventually they may need to be replaced. So having some idea of what that strategy looks like for you in your own home, you're just, you know, you're ahead of the game then. Can I say something here? Because we last spring ended up doing a remodel that I felt like I should have been way more prepared. And like, I've been thinking about doing an episode on like when you're or looking for something for like when your remodel doesn't work out. Like I am not, I don't know, my kitchen floor didn't come out the way I wanted it to. My paint on my walls isn't exactly like so many things didn't come out the way because I don't think I shopped around enough ahead of time. And so then when the time came, I had to put up with like lesser choice, like they're just the options. I was just shocked at how few options I had. And I think that's part of why I'm disappointed. Like there were only really two flower print flooring choices. And I was like adamant, like I'm going to have flowers, but it's not shiny. It's really hard to clean. And I'm just really disappointed. And, and like, I don't know, well, you could. I'm probably totally, but what you're saying about do a thing yeah. now and like start making a list, start researching. What do you want? Start taking clips or pictures or screenshots. Pinterest I yeah. I, do you take a million screenshots? Maybe that's what I should do is Pinterest. Cause I feel like all I do is take screenshots of things. Pinterest or I don't know if you could use Evernote for that, but, and I'm not a huge Pinterest user, but like when, um, the family was planning a wedding. We just shared all of our ideas with Pinterest and it worked really, really well. So yes, that's definitely. a great idea. So here's the other thing that I heard you say, Jackie, is that I guess it was the wallpaper. You said some print and I think you said wallpaper that it wasn't real easy to clean. Oh, the floor. Sorry. Wallpaper. I was close. It was the surface. Um, <laughs> we don't, always do a great job of asking questions about how easy something will be to take care of before we get it. And then we end up having it installed in our home. And then we're like, oh, this is a pain in the tush. This isn't working out so well. So case in point, I have always painted with satin finished paint because it's scrubbable, right? So it's got just that slight sheen to it. And by the way, I use low VOC paint, so, you know, keep it safe, as safe as I can. Well, when we moved into this house in Oklahoma City, all of the walls were painted matte, flat finish, which I don't like. And it shows a lot. But I started asking around, I was like, why do all the builders here, because we bought a spec home, why do they all use matte finish? And they use matte finish because it's very easy to touch up and it doesn't show where the touch-ups are. 
and they can just spray the whole house before you know they because my ceilings my walls are all the same colors i was like ah okay i got it that you know if somebody doesn't know to ask that question they could end up with matte paint and then a bunch of toddlers or young children and nothing's going to be scrubbable everything's going to have to be repainted so just knowing the kind of oh that's a good yeah just knowing the kind of questions to ask so a couple of things that i find a lot of us forget about when we're looking at a remodel or a replacement or an upgrade or a whole new home how easy is it to take care of what's the hassle factor am i going to need to call in somebody's specialty um, we have a family member that lives in a very, very unique house, absolutely gorgeous, but it was a very highly customized home that was built back mid-century, and the um, person that built the house threw away the plans, so we don't know where things are in the house, so every time something breaks, it's starting over, and everything in it is a unique size, so it has to be custom ordered. So it's an absolute gorgeous house, but it's become, it's been, now fortunately this family member's been there long enough that they figured it out, but it took a while to figure out what the routine was <laughs> to just maintain and make the necessary repairs on this house because everything was so unique. And some people like that. That's great. Just know what you're getting yourself into. Those are great tips. So this is a time we're going to notice a lot more of this stuff, right? So do you have any tips to make things easier, like more efficient? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How long you got, girl? <laughs> and the first one is ask questions. I mean, you totally hit that one on the head. It's just ask the questions. And think <laughs> about, so, so I actually, I've, I've only been able to do this workshop once or twice, calling Dreaming Your Green Home. And one of the things that we go through in this workshop is think about what you want from your home. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, but I'm a journaler and a dreamer. So there, so you, so that's awesome though, because so many people like haven't. 20 years ago or 25 years ago, I was dreaming about the home I have now, but it didn't look anything like this <laughs> back then. Well, and people when I taught this workshop, they kind of looked at me and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, is your house a gathering place? Is your house a sanctuary? Is it peaceful? Or do you want it where all the kids are coming over to play and it's always the center of activity? Or are different parts of your home allocated for different reasons or different feelings and different purposes? Uh, and I think it changes over different Definitely. seasons too. Like when Mike's kids were yes. younger, we had them around more than we do now. Well, and like we're hearing from a lot of the studies and the surveys that are being done with millennials as they're moving into the home buying marketplace, they want a lot of spaces that are flexible, that can serve multiple purposes. Whereas the young baby boomers and above they all wanted a separate room for each thing. So things like formal dining rooms, no matter, really are important to a lot of people. But, you, you know, at, at the time that the baby boomers were building and buying homes, formal dining rooms, a separate study, you know, everything for each task, a game room, 
we saw theater rooms take a big interest there for a long time. I think they still are in a lot of houses. But now we're seeing this trend towards more all-purpose or multi-purpose spaces. So, for instance, you know, maybe you have a dining room, but it's got a pool table in it. <laughs> Which is fine if you play pool more than you eat a big meal, you know, with a lot of family members. That would make so much sense. And that's the way we should think is how are we going to use the house the best way and how do we want it to feel? And then you have to think, how much time do I want to spend on my home? I'm a huge advocate. I want my home to work for me. I don't want to work for it, which means I want to be able to do as little as I can and still keep my house nice and still keep it performing well, but not have to spend a lot of time constantly nipping and tucking and doing things. So that may mean a low maintenance yard. Maybe you don't want to do a lot of yard work. Maybe you want to put all native plants in a garden out instead of a lot of turf because it takes less time to have a native uh, a native garden than it does to maintain turf. Turf is lawn. Sorry, I'm using fancy words. Um, using low maintenance finishes in your home may make a huge difference because you don't want to have to keep them clean a lot. And some surfaces and some kind of products are just more upkeep. Nature of the beast. Uh, it's kind of like my grandmother had silver when I was a little kid. God, we'd spend hours polishing that stuff. And it was beautiful, but we only used it for special occasions. And I don't remember the last time I saw somebody pull out silver and use it because nobody wants to spend all the time polishing it. So the same things kind of happened with our houses. My mom has silver to Does polish. Does she use it? <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> yeah, good knows, if I you don't. have it you should use it i mean what's the purpose in having things if you can't use them right my parents have like breakfast silverware and dinner wow. like the breakfast silverware is in the kitchen and the dinner silverware and then there's like the silver set that actually you come out and polish that's like tucked away in a drawer for like holidays yep. that was how my grandmother was so and it was fun to get out the fun, you know, the special stuff. And, you know, she'd pull out the special stuff for like one of our birthdays or something. We felt so special because it was something that took a little more effort. And that's, that's nice. But in our everyday lives, with how much we're all running around, doing things, chasing kids, working, working out, enjoying life, having a social life may not want to spend as much time on our homes. So we need a home that works for us better. So making decisions up front as much as you can, and you can't always, but even making decisions about how you live in your home and how you alter your home. So for instance, this house has dark wood floors. Never had a house with dark wood floors before. And I never will again because they show everything. They're beautiful, but they're, you know, crazy to keep up. We can't walk in the front door without mar marking them up, or not marking them up, but tracking stuff in. So, yeah. So, and e that's with two mats, three mats at the front door. We have one outside and two mats oh. indoors, and we still track stuff in. It's just yeah. Well, we live in the woods, so that's just part of it. Like I was yeah, like, I live I in can't a subdivision. Going, we can barely go a day without <laughs> vacuuming our living room carpet. Where you enter yeah. the house, where Mike comes in with his boots that are all dirty, like ten times a day. Like we 
can vacuum our living room more than once a day frequently. I hear you. So it's a lot of it is being intentional. Um, my book, I go through a lot of these kinds of thoughts and how to do things and how to think about them. That's a lot of what my book is. And it's, I work so hard to write it in really easy to understand stories so that it wasn't a big technical thing about your home. And um, there's a lot of help out there. That's part of the issue. I think there's too much help and we all kind of get overwhelmed going, where do I start? Uh, but there's, there's some really good resources out there to help you get going. And that's, and a lot of it is, you know, follow the people that have success at giving practical advice and find the people that have a sense of the same kind of life you do. So if, you know, if, if, for instance, if being able to not spend a lot of time on your home is important to you, then you need to make sure the people that you're taking advice from about your home have that kind of philosophy as well. Tell listeners the name of your book. I don't think we told them your It book. is Living Green Effortlessly, Simple Choices for a Better Home. How's that for a mouthful? <laughs> and the, the, I actually, my full name is on there as an author. It's Marla Esser Close. My middle name is in there as well. And it is available on my website on Green Home Coach or on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So it's out there. But it's been... That, that's been a great basis, you know, combined with my podcast to bring people out to, to help people understand their homes a little bit more. And so the, the biggest thing about green, so I get a lot of questions about green. What does green mean? Well, green is something different to everybody because there's so many aspects of it. But green and sustainability kind of go hand in hand, at least in my world they do. And for our homes, that means a home that just uses what it needs to use as wisely as it can. That's really it in a nutshell. And a home that serves us, not the other way around. There's a lot of different practices and a lot of different products that can go into that. And you can do it a little bit at a time or you can do it all at once. So there. <laughs> Check out the book and learn. One thing I sure, <laughs> I sure have mastered this year is like, you know, that Marie Kondo book uh -huh. about sparking joy and figuring tidying up. So I am still not tidy in any way, shape or form. And I figure it took me 27 years to create all this mess, but I, I have gotten rid of so much stuff this year. Like I can touch almost anything and tell you, does it spark joy? My problem is the things that do spark joy. I still have like an overwhelming number of them. So I have to like, I'm going to have to start giving away some things that do spark joy that just have to either be necessary <laughs> or I have to figure out a way to organize them. Like you were saying to organize, like I'm going to put a filing cabinet in my like what's been driving me crazy lately is my art desk and where like I just seem to have these boxes of boxes of boxes and I need to like consolidate them and like it's stuff that maybe is important but I'm not going to look at right away needs to get shelved somewhere but I'll tell you like if you follow her method and like start with the clothes and I still have clothes to get rid of I did not bring every piece of clothing down I'm not getting rid of the ones that I didn't bring down but I certainly go through clothes quicker, like being like, this does not spark joy. This is going away. And I have become a master of that. I've thought about doing an episode on sparking joy and cleaning up your garden. There you go. 
and you're like your seeds. Like last year, I did a really good thing. I went through all my seed packets and organized all my seed packets into four piles, like ones that go into like containers in the greenhouse before they can get planted, you know, ones that go directly in the ground as soon as you can work it, ones that go in the ground, but a little bit later that want it warmer. And then ones that go in the ground after all frost. And so those were my four piles and I went through. Yeah, they color code them or something for us. I don't know. That would help. Our seeds have been like, (laughs) they were just like all like piled. Like we have all these different buckets of seeds and everything. And so I just went through them. Yeah. And figured that out based on whatever it said on the seed packet. I'm sure. Yeah, that's, they do. But then I had to, oh, do they color code them? I don't know. Cause we have like good seed company seeds and burpee seeds and botanical garden seeds and Johnny seeds. Lots of different, you know, two for a dollar at the dollar store seeds and like, I buy a lot of seeds. I am always coming home like in the middle of August and being like, hey, Mike, wouldn't fresh cantaloupes be good? Why don't we plant these <laughs> seeds? And he just rolls his eyes at me. All right. I've gotten a little better, but I swear like the first three years of my podcast, I was still doing that. I'd be like, or I'd bring this like tray of plants of like tomatoes that are like uh, half a foot high in the middle of August. And I'm like, look at this poor tomato plant. Don't you want to save it? Somebody was giving it away for free. And he's like, what are you going to do with that? That is not going to produce fruit this year. Like we are not wasting time, space, dirt, anything. Like just, he just shakes his head at me. So I've gotten better, but anyway, well, Marla, thanks so much for sharing oh all this God. amazing information today and tell listeners what your podcast and your website are. And, um, yeah. So everything is on greenhomecoach.com, including there's a link. If you go to resources um, at the top of the page, it'll get you to everything that we have. The online store, which is Everyday Green Home, my book, the podcast. Um, and the podcast, The Green Gab, is on all your podcast apps. So you can find it anywhere. And the whole archive is up on the Green Home Coach website as well. So that's really a great place to start. It'll get you to all the stuff that we offer. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to help people know that all these resources and all these answers are out there. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing with us today, Marlon. I'll talk to you again. Thanks, Jackie. You have an amazing day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just, um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the organic gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it. If you'd share the organic gardener podcast with a friend, thanks again for listening. And remember grow local.